So we've been walking through the book of Jonah, and now we're in chapter four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as a recap from previous weeks, we have been walking through the book of Jonah. God spoke to Jonah saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord and boarded a ship headed in the opposite direction of Nineveh. If you remember, a tempest came, and the mariners, they hurled Jonah into the sea after he told them it was due to his disobedience, the storm was there. All the while, though, the mariners come to know the Lord even more that day. We see in chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows, showing that despite our own shortcomings and our hardness of heart, our disobedience, God still uses us for his purposes. Jonah is then swallowed up by a fish where he stayed in its belly for three days and three nights. And all we know about this belly experience is that Jonah prayed a prayer of gratefulness and thanksgiving. He is then vomited up on dry land where the word of the Lord once again comes to Jonah saying to go to Nineveh. This time Jonah obeys and goes into the city proclaiming the message of God. I think that I would most certainly obey as well, having an experience in the belly of a fish and then vomited up. I would be compelled to obey God, most certainly. 
the people of God believe Jonah and they put on sackcloth and they fast. The king receives this word and he sets a decree in, in the land. He says, neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Because of Nineveh's response to God's word, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would bring. And now here in chapter four, we pick up and we see Jonah is quite displeased. He is not happy. And so one of the major themes of this chapter is the compassionate character of God. A.W. Tozer, a theologian, says of God's mercy, he says, mercy is an attribute of God, an infinite and inexhaustible energy within the divine nature which disposes God to be actively compassionate. I'm gonna read that one more time because there's so much packed into it. Mercy is an attribute of God, an infinite and inexhaustible energy within the divine nature which disposes God to be actively compassionate. He is actively pursuing his character, his compassion. He is bestowing that upon us, upon people. So God's compassion can be seen throughout all of scripture. And just a sampling, we see the psalmist in in chapter 86 write, but you, O Lord, are a merciful God and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In Lamentations, we see it written, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Matthew, just before Jesus feeds the 5,000, the scriptures say, Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Mark, we see It says, and a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. So these are just a few examples of God's character throughout scripture. And notice what Jonah says about God's character. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Do do you remember what we read? Um, Let's put the scripture back up there. At the very beginning, this was the very reason. This is why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh. He tells us in verse two there, this is why I made haste to flee because he knew that God is compassionate. But in God's character, I am amazed 
to think about that. Isn't, isn't this amazing? Just to get this glimpse into who God is. So I am left in amazement of this description of God's character. And what this produces in me is to know God more and more. As a sinner myself, I realize that I am in deep need of mercy and compassion from this most holy God, from our creator. But it is in this very character trait of God that produces anger, because Jonah, he doesn't feel the Ninevites should live. Jonah doesn't want them to be saved. He sees them as evil, deserving of death and destruction. To Jonah, as a Hebrew, the Ninevites were the untouchables. To Jonah, they were godless pagans, not worthy of being saved. But God, God sees it quite differently. And yet Jonah's response to God is the opposite of compassion. So we see in verse three, it says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is so angry that he would rather die than to live. He was just praising God for saving him when he was hurled into the sea, swallowed up by a fish, vomited out on the, on the on land. And now when God extends that same mercy to the Ninevites, Jonah wishes to lose his life. But God is patient with Jonah. And we see that in his response in verse four. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Other versions of scripture pose this question this way. Is it right for you to be angry? The NASB says, do you have a good reason to be angry? You see, God does not blast Jonah with merciless indignation, but he simply asks a question and shows once again the same mercy to Jonah that he shows to Nineveh. Notice how selfish Jonah is and how self-focused that he is. Every time God extends mercy to Jonah, Jonah is thanks, thankful and he prays to God a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe you can relate to this. Do you have times in your life where things are going your way? You've been extended compassion and mercy and, and you're praising God, you're thankful for God. Do you ever find yourself in the same emotional state of Jonah? Let's think about that for a minute. As we move into verse five, it says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So here we see a hopeful Jonah that, that God might retract his decision to not destroy the city. We learned at the end of chapter three that God did not destroy the city, but now we see Jonah waiting to see perhaps, well, maybe, maybe God's actually gonna destroy it. Essentially, Jonah is pouting, and he's hopeful that God will destroy them. 
So while Jonah is out looking over the city, God still shows mercy on him by creating this plant that grew up over him and and gave him shade from his discomfort. And because of this plant, which is God's creation, something that God has done, he was exceedingly glad. So just imagine Jonah sitting there in his anger and discomfort, and now suddenly he's happy, he's glad for what God has done and created. We see again here that Jonah is happy when things go his way. Can you relate to this as well? Yeah, yeah, I can, most certainly. But listen to what happens in verse seven. But when dawn came up early the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. So God appoints this worm to come and destroy the plant But not only does the plant die and remove the shade, but also a scorching east wind comes and the sun beats down on Jonah to the point that he is faint. Now that things are not going Jonah's way, he prays to God again, saying, it is better for me to die than to live. He enjoyed this thing that God had made, again, that that benefited him. But again, what does God say? He comes to him with a question. Again, the the NASB, I like its version here of the question. It says, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? So here you have Jonah benefiting from something that God has provided, but once it's removed from him, he's angry yet again. And God just wants to know, do you have a good reason for this? Jonah's response is, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And again, another way we could say this is, yes, I have good reason to be angry, even to the point of death. We see yet again negative emotions and selfishness in Jonah's response to God. Perhaps better, we see Jonah's idea of justice versus God's. He's angry that the plant has died, so angry, he says to the point of death. In God's reply in verse 10, it says, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand, and also much cattle. So now we're getting into the reasoning behind God's actions towards Jonah with the plant and its dying. God is working to compel Jonah to view the Ninevites in the same way that he does. By using the plant as an analogy, God views them as a people worth saving and proclaiming his message of salvation and repentance to. The NASB uses the word compassion 
instead of pity. You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. So God is pointing out that Jonah has compassion for something that he created, that God created, but that that something was short-lived. And Jonah didn't even work for that something. It was God's work. God had been forming, forming Nineveh for this purpose, perhaps for years. For years, God has been planning this, and the plant was just there for a day. So now compare that to the city of Nineveh, who are great in number, more than 120,000, who are also created by God. But they are spiritually lost. This idea of not knowing your right hand from your left hand, it's a spiritual connotation. So spiritually speaking, they do not know their left from their right or they do not know right from wrong. Someone must come and proclaim a message of repentance so that a response can be had. So God points out to Jonah, if you had compassion on something so small, so small like this plant, how much more Should I have compassion on a city of 120,000 souls? In addition to this, there are cattle there, he says at the end. Things created like the plant that you, Jonah, had pity on. It's almost like God is saying, come on, Jonah, at least have compassion on the cattle that would be destroyed. So what we see here in this text is is just a classic case of man's work Versus God's work. Man's work, it's always simple obedience. God is the one who does the heavy lifting of salvation, who changes our hearts. That is not our responsibility. We might be called to do something we don't want to do to a people we feel don't deserve God's mercy and God's compassion. So who, who is this for you? Like, who is Nineveh? Who is your Nineveh? Is it a people? Is it a person? Is it people who commit specific sins? Just, let's just take a moment. Let's take just a moment and think about that. What group of people or who in your life do you feel is not worthy of God's compassion? Who does not know their right from their left? Who among you is spiritually lost? Just take a moment right now where you are and let's just think. Maybe jot it down. Who is spiritually lost? Now hold on to that thought and imagine yourself. Imagine God telling you to go to those people with a message of repentance to enlighten them of their sins towards this most holy God, to give them the chance to hear this message of repentance, to be given that chance. Notice in our story that it took Nineveh acting in obedience to Jonah's proclamation for God to relent. So again, man's work and God's work. So there must be obedience on the part of those hearing the message not just those of us acting in obedience to God's calling. 
Again, man's work versus God's work. All throughout scripture, we can read through and see this beautiful line between man's work and God's work. And every single time, our work is just simple obedience. And God is in the business of changing hearts. He is in the business of salvation. So when things are going our way and justice is carried out in a way we agree with, then we're happy, we're praising God. But when justice is administered in such a way we disagree, are we still happy? Are you still thankful? But remember, in all of this, there must be obedience on the part of those receiving the message. There must be genuine turning from our sin. So what's our takeaway? What, what is it that we take away from this last chapter of Jonah and the whole story of Jonah? Well, first, this should be a comfort for all of us during times when we fall flat on our face. When it comes to obeying God, do you have times like that? Do you have times where you know you have disobeyed what God has called you to? The beautiful thing of the story is God still uses you despite your disobedience. It's for those of us who run away from what we know God wants us to do. The story of Jonah is a lesson for us maybe that have short fuses. Those of us who are quick to anger and maybe those of us who have superior attitudes over the spiritually immature or even the spiritually lost. So again, who, who's your Nineveh? Who is it that's in darkness around you? Maybe who do you think is undeserving of being saved. I mean, just think of, think of the different sins in the world, the atrocities that are out there, that are committed. God loves those people too and is calling us to declare this message of repentance. And he desires to exercise his compassion with them. If it, not, if it were not for God's grace, we certainly would be in darkness just like them. Just like these people you're thinking about, the atrocities that are committed, we would be in that same darkness without the grace of God. So may we all take this message and heed to the calling to go to people or even let's just start by praying for these people. We do not think are deserving of God's message and repentance. So today, let us embrace and enjoy the compassionate character of God. May we fall madly in love with our Father in heaven and seek to walk in his ways, to bear the image of Christ with compassion and love. Let us go and help all to taste and see that the Lord is good and that he is worthy of repenting of our evil ways despite what the circumstance may be. Earlier we went through the prayer of confession and you may have had times uh, something on your mind that you confessed and, and maybe today we're, we're bringing something up that you realize that you need to confess before God. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment of silence. 
I want us to think about this group or these people that you've had on your mind through this and let's confess any sin that needs to be confessed and then let's put the prayer confession back up on the board and together we're gonna say the prayer confession one more time before we end today. So let's take just a moment of silence just to confess our sins. If there's anything new that came up before you as we walk through Jonah, we see his anger but yet we see the compassion of God. Who do we need to extend this compassion to? So let's take a moment of silence. Let us confess together once again. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray today that you will open up our hearts and our minds to this message you bring to us in Jonah. God, that we will grasp your compassion, your character of mercy, and how it's played out in our lives and how we too are to be the image bearers of Christ, to go with this beautiful message of salvation this proclamation of repentance. God, that people will come to know you as this compassionate God. They will see their ways as evil before you and that your great name will be made known through all the earth. God, that the, the people we cross paths with every day in our workplace our colleagues, fellow students, our neighbors across the street, our acquaintances in third places like coffee shops, soccer fields, wherever it may be. These people who do not know their right from their left who are spiritually lost, God, show them to us. Reveal to them Reveal them to us. Inspire us to, to go with this message of proclamation, to proclaim repentance and salvation. It's in Christ's name we pray.